The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. The Therapy is a Christian podcast is all things mental health and Christ. We specifically talk about how mental health and God are merged together to foster growth, healing, and making mental health a normal conversation. I'm your host, Roz and Renee, and welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Therapy as a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Rosa Renee, and welcome to another episode of the show. And I am here with my sis. I'm super excited to have another interview. I am here with my sis, Destiny. She is in New York. But before I introduce her, I want to just let y'all know, I know y'all have heard a lot of different podcasts, some girls that I met in DC at the Find Your Voice Academy retreat. And so this is another one of my sisters. She is also a fellow podcaster. And I'm really excited for her to share her story today because she has been in counseling and she has such a great testimony. So I'm really excited for her to share today. So why don't you say, hey, girl. Hey, people. Roz, I'm so thankful to be here. So I just want to thank you for having me on. I'm thankful that we met each other in D.C. almost a year ago. Girl, it has been almost a year. Almost a year ago. That's what's so crazy. So just to see Therapy as a Christian go where it's been in the past year, where you've gone in your personal life and even launching, well, I guess going further with my show during that time. It's just like amazing to see where where we've been. I know, right? Exactly, exactly. So welcome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and what you do? All right. So by day, I'm an advertising executive here in New York for an advertising company. And then in my personal time, I am the host and creator of the Power and Pearls podcast. And I'm also a poet. And so Power and Pearls is an active advocate for Black women to embody their authentic voice. The way that I do that is through poetry, primarily creative writing. And I think that in the healing the expression, the finding my voice, if you will, that I've gained through writing, I wanted to help other Black women find that same thing. And I think that there are a lot of times when we want to share things with other people, seek validation with other people, but it's something different when you're able to to see that or get that from yourself. And I think that the page is a beautiful way to find that. And then, of course, if you feel so moved to polish it and share it with other people, then you can. So that's kind of what we talk about on Power and Prose. Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit about what got you started in poetry and writing ultimately. Listen, <laughs> poetry for me started with a class assignment in fifth grade. And the teacher was just like, okay, this is what we're talking about today. Everybody whip out some paper. We're going to be quiet for 30 minutes, write something, and we'll see what happens. I was like, okay, I don't know if I can do this, but we're going to try it. And then she ended up reading my piece in front of the class. So it was like, that's where it started. And then I guess moving on, of course, as you get older, you go through things in life. I have had problems with my family. As a teenager growing up, I wasn't with my mom the entire time I was growing up. And so writing, if I didn't have my room anymore, if I didn't have um, living by my friends, a cell phone, the flyest clothes, whatever, what I always had was a pen and paper. And I think that writing helped me. That's what kept me going. I did admittedly walk away, I guess, from my relationship with God, not necessarily my belief, but definitely engaging a normal everyday, hey dad, what's up conversation with him during this time, I felt like 
how are you with me if you're not, I don't see you with me. I don't see you in what's happening right now. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to be talking to myself then because I don't know who else is listening to me. And so writing, I think, even when I felt like I didn't have something to say or the person to talk to about it with, that was how I got through. And I think that it's beautiful because now that I am back rededicated and got baptized, all that writing is still how I communicate with myself. God and others. So writing has always been a thing, but I think as time has gone on, it's been a stronger piece of my development as a woman. That's beautiful, by the way, because girl, okay. But like, how do you think you came to like understand that that was a gift? Because I think that sometimes we can think like I have this gift or it's there, but like, how did you come into a space of knowing like this is a part of what I do is a part of how I share is a part of how I minister. Cause that's yeah. a very different way to, you know, people be like, get in the pulpit. Your girl ain't probably going to be in a pulpit, but you know, I'll do something else mm-hmm. as a way to minister how I feel about God. But like, ultimately that writing, I believe is such a beautiful gift being able to communicate in general, mm-hmm. but to add on the creative side to it is just to me so beautiful. So like, how did you know, that that was like part of your gifting? I think it didn't leave. It didn't leave. I think that when you try something, like I used to run track, but I'm not ministering to the people through track. It was like, that was a high school thing and we didn't move on. <laughs> That's not where I'm supposed to be right now. <laughs> so I think that when you go through things and they push you or you inter- you get introduced to new people, me moving to New York, I think when you grow through life, it's going to try you. And it's like, okay, what are you going to hold on to during these times? What is something that just, no matter what, if you're crunched for time, it pulls you. If you change locations, you still, you bring that with you. And for me, I used to need a solitary place to write. I moved here. I started writing on the train. Sometimes I could write in a park. I just kept finding new ways for it to show up. And so once I found new ways for it to show up for me, there was healing for me in those places. There was self-discovery in those places. And I really didn't, the gifting part, (laughs) it took me a minute to honestly feel that. In 20, I want to say 2019. Yeah. March of 2019. I wrote this piece. I was while well, I was writing this piece and I could not finish it. The last two lines, I was like, I don't know what I need to say, but the poem isn't done. I need one more thing. And so I kept saying it over and over and over, trying to see where would I say next. And so in doing that, I had never memorized the piece at this time. And saying it over and over, I memorized it on accident. So I like said the last little piece and then I had to go somewhere. I hopped in the shower and I said it again in the shower without my paper. And I was like, I know it. And I was like, you know it. And I always said, if I knew something by heart, I would share it. I was like, whether you're nervous, whether you're intimidated, if you don't think you're like other artists, that was the only thing I said was holding me back. And it was a fake thing. I think that's why I never tried to learn my pieces because I was like, I know I'm going to have to share it if I do. And so once I knew it, it was a Saturday. I knew of this place. You could do open mics on Sunday. And so I got the shower. I'm in town. And I text my friends. I was like, y'all, I'm performing at this place tomorrow. It's at 8 p.m. Tickets are $15. If you can come through, dope. If you can't, I understand. But I was like, you have to jump on this right now. And I truly do think it was partly me, but we jump out of stuff we tell ourselves all the time. I think the Holy Spirit was like, now's the time. Like now this is this piece. It's this Sunday. Like this is the time. And so on the way to the place, I was super nervous. I was like, I hope low-key that none of my friends come <laughs> in case I mess up. Please yeah. don't come. Don't see me by this, y'all. And nine of my friends came and we had this little section in the place. It was really, really cute. And I brought my paper, my notepad, just in case I needed it. And I did it. I got up there. I said it. And it was the most freeing thing to do. Something I said I was going to do, but something I didn't believe that I could do. And after that, I think just talking to people after hearing how something that I said I thought was very personal to me affected other people, that's when I knew, okay, this is bigger than you. This is bigger than the words that you write. This is bigger than your time in your room. It's bigger than whatever emotion you were trying to write through. It's bigger than that. And also it's not isolated. I don't own the feeling of sadness or the feeling of anguish or happiness, whatever. I don't own that. 
we get to share that with other people. And so that experience, getting over a fear (laughs) and then talking to people and hearing them share with me and being touched by what they shared after I performed. That's when I was like, all right. And that's how Power and Pros was born actually was that night. I went home. Yes, I was about to ask you that. So talk about your podcast. Like what was the thing that got you started? I listened to podcasts, but I didn't really, I never saw myself as a podcaster. That was not my ambition, my desire. But after I performed that night, I was on such a high. I could not stop talking. I could not stop saying a poem over and over. There was one line I messed up. I didn't care. And that's not in my character to not care about perfection. Like that's something I'm constantly working on in therapy. (laughs) So I was like, wow, like this is, and again, it's something I've been carrying with me, but it was a new phase in this old friendship with writing. And so I got home and I was talking to everybody and I was like, I need something. I need a YouTube channel. I need something because I need to do this every week. Like this is beautiful. And I don't know. I watch YouTube. So I was like, I don't know if I want to limit it to that. Cause what if I'm looking dusty and crusty? I don't want to be recording. So it's like, how can I make sure that I don't build extra parameters to stop me from sharing extra parameters to allow the enemy to seep in and convince me that I can't do it. And I was like, okay, well, if it's a visual thing, then take that out. If you just need your voice, then let's go with that. And so that's how podcasting came through. It's something that I organically was taking in any way, listening to others. And so I was like, well, why not? So I just started Googling. Let me see how you do this, child. Let me see how easy is it? What are the barriers? What else do I need to do? What would I want to say? And so I think that that night of overcoming a fear of what I want to say. And I was talking about the fear of like harassment. I guess New York, you know, people always be talking to you. So my first poem that I performed was called Streetlights. And I was talking about me walking at night in the city. And so I think that was like, yeah, you have things to say. And that's relatable. Maybe you don't write, but you walked before. And maybe you felt unsafe before. That there are things that I have to say that can be rooted in the power that I feel when I write. So that's why the name's Power in Prose. And prose is just another word for story. And so I love that as well, because it kind of empowers those who engage in conversation with me on the show. You don't have to be a poet, but you have a story and there's power in that. I think there's power every time we share, when you tweet, when you share something on Instagram, your captions, there's power in that. And I think what stops us from recognizing that power, what stops me is you don't profess it. When we profess our power out loud, it changes things. That's why prayer doesn't just work in your head. It can, but it's something different when you profess the power of the name of the Lord, when you profess the power that you have, when you say, I'm going to go to this interview and I'm a rocket, I'm going to go get this job. I'm going to go X, Y, Z. There's something different that happens when you say things out loud. And that's what I think is beautiful about the show. Cause I'd be nervous too, but I'm like, you know what? We're going to do this. And then I get a new sense of power, refreshing or awareness each and every time. Yes. Oh my gosh. Oh, so you pulled a bunch of little things out. I want to pull a bunch of little things you said, but the biggest thing was just power in the story. Mm-hmm. I think that was big for me this year. I think this year was the year I realized the impact my podcast or my presence or the things I said mm-hmm. had on people. That wasn't like when I started my podcast, that wasn't the goal. It was not like, oh, Thousands of people are going to listen to this. Like, mm-hmm. it's not the goal, sis. I just literally wanted to share my story. Yeah. And to see the impact of that shows the power. And I always say all the time to people, I'm like, you don't even realize how much your testimony is valuable, even if you think it's not. Like, period. if you think it's not powerful, believe me when I tell you, somebody else listening to you will be like, mm-hmm. oh my God, that was amazing. And so, I think we downplay ourselves out of fear that it has to be this special cookie cutter put together story, or it has to be the most traumatic thing ever, or Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be the most traumatic thing ever. Mm -hmm. And we downplay the story. And it's like, you don't realize just the little bit intricate things that are part of your life Mm -hmm. matter to somebody else and how you've overcome them. Like those things are so, 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 so powerful. And so, When I recognize like, okay, my story who I I may think is not like, oh my God, so amazing, is so, so, so important to somebody else's life. And I think that was a indication to me from God of never doubt 
what mm. I put you through. Never doubt what I allow you to see because those things matter long term. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the name therapy as a Christian, I think accomplishes your mission just by me scrolling on Apple podcasts and seeing it. Because I think that the point is to say that that's a thing. It's not a weird thing to do that Christians can believe fully in the power of Jesus. And then also want to talk to one of Jesus's children to work through some things. And so when I hear that, when I hear therapy as a Christian, it just automatically, it accomplishes the goal. Because if I had any doubt that I could go to therapy as a Christian, right there, it's like, wait, I guess I can. That's people doing that. Like, you know what I mean? So I think that, again, naming things, saying what you've been through as it is, I think that was really good what you were saying about not wanting to dress it up. So that way it's super dramatic and wow, that really happened where it's like, baby, this is not Marvel. This is not, this ain't that. <laughs> yeah. You can just come in, say what it is, what you went through, who was there. Don't add no extra people. If it was two people there, it was two people there. Mm-hmm. And I think that somebody connects with that. And I think what kind of takes away from us feeling the power in that is the applause. Ooh. Share. Ooh. Okay, I hope that wasn't loud in y'all ear. <laughs> But yes, everybody, if I'm going through something and you're sharing and it hits me where it needs to hit me, I might be over in my prayer closet praying right now. I might be shouting from the rooftops right now. I don't have time. I might not have time to comment and be like, wow, Rosalind, thank you so much. Hard eye, hard eye. I might not have time for that. If you just freed me from something. I got things to do. I got work to do. I got people to talk to. I got things to write down. And so I think that that's what stopped me a lot of times. I mean, you look at, and we were told to do that. That's kind of how things work. That's how you monetize. That's how you get money. That's how you feel good about yourself. It's by seeing the metrics, the dollars, the engagement. But I think that when you look beyond that, I try to think about, instead of being the business owner all the time in my head, I try to think about myself as a consumer. There's plenty of people that I'm like, dang, I should have double tapped that. That was good. But I kept it moving. Or Instagram refreshed. I'm like, dang, sis. I love the post though. It's beautiful. (laughs) And I think that becomes the part where why we don't tell the story. Mm. People are looking for so much. They want their story to make impact. But Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell y'all, you don't see it. Like, again, I don't know what people think of when they listen to me. And half the time I'm not thinking about it. I just see numbers and I'm like, oh, okay, the numbers are growing. Yeah. So that means somebody is getting something from it. But truly you don't hear a verbal applause many times. There are many months in the beginning that it was just dry. You just, you may get like my friends say, mm-hmm. my mama listened to my podcast for a long time. And she was like, oh, this is so good. She was like, my applause, but there was nobody else. And so, mm-hmm. and and that's something you have to learn to let go of because if you base your confidence in sharing your story in just an applause, mm-hmm. you'll always be caught up in, is somebody going to listen to this versus yeah. genuinely sharing out of just the desire to share. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the catalyst for when you do grow, you're not caught up by, yeah, all of that because you can get caught up in it. And I noticed when times when I've gotten caught up in like, okay, is this like, is the numbers growing or this, this, and that my focus is off. And then I'm mm-hmm. looking for a way to make things like do something. Mm-hmm. Instead of just being like, girl, this is what happened because yeah. truly this walk with God is hard. Whew. And some days I'm like, why? Why? What? Why? 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 What is going on? What is going on? Like, I love you. And some days I'm like, Lord, I love you. But why I gotta be this hard? You know what I'm saying? Why I gotta feel like this? Why I gotta revisit all these things? Why I gotta keep talking to you about the same thing over and over? Why I constantly compare myself all the time, all the time, all the time? And so it comes to a place of like understanding I serve an audience of one. Mm -hmm. My audience is God. If that's all who I'm serving, then regardless of the matter, that's all that matters to me. And mm-hmm. when you kind of have that focus, then it becomes I genuinely share because I love my father and I want to yeah. honor him and I want to share who he is. And it's freeing for you. 
I have this episode power. So all of my episodes are so, so far having power in X. And so I had this one episode called Power and Forgiveness. And I talked about something super personal. So I had an abortion actually in really? 20, I want to I remember the year now, 2017. And I had to go through I had to go through a lot to be like wow God is like still here for me he forgives me he knows me so intricately he saw this already there were so many things that I had to not only say to him but say to myself and I think that once I shared on that episode which I was so shocked that I was going to do but once I did it it was fine actually it was healed before and I think, again, we'll talk about my therapy journey a little bit deeper. But I think that I had a girl at my church and she listened to the episode and she met me. We talked after church and she was crying. And I was like, that's it. I was like, this is why. This is why you have to do it. Because you're worried about what the perception is for you. You're putting you at the center Ooh. of what this looks like. And like, what are people going to say? Are you going to stutter? Are you going to X, Y, Z? And I think I felt so, everything that I thought, when I was writing the episode out, when I was like naming it, when I prayed about it beforehand, everything that I thought that was freaking me out didn't happen at all. What I thought was going to happen when I was recording it, when it was just me and the mic, didn't happen. I felt fine. <laughs> it was like really crazy. I didn't have to re-record a lot of things. And I think what happened after I shared also didn't expect it. And so I think that sometimes we don't want to share things because we are are over it because we are healed because we have moved on it's like Ooh, next lesson yeah. God, i've been there next thing i actually want you to work with me on this thing over here i want to share this this is exciting this is a bit more sexy this is like acceptable or whatever it's like no i want you to share this share this because somebody in your direct circle that if they hear this from you it's gonna set some chains off like it'll literally do that things in motion and you'll be able to connect with them on a deeper level as well because they know you deeper than a girl that go to church that always sit on the right side because they be trying to go to Trader Joe's after. Like, it's like they don't know you more intricately as well. And that's, we're called to do life together. But how can we do life together if we don't share our stories? Uh, that's what makes it powerful. I'm shook. Okay. When you said we put ourselves in the middle of it and the point about God wants us to share that, like he wants us to share that part. I just think about so many situations where, oh, one, one thing I was going to say was one thing God showed me about fear earlier this year that was so powerful. I will never forget this. I was sitting there. I was sitting in front of my Bible and I was talking to him and I was just like rambling on about all this stuff I was concerned about. And he said, do you do know that fear is all based in assumption? Like you assume this will happen, but when you do it, if you take the step, that may not happen. So it's all based on what you assume will occur. And you create these scenarios in your mind that you assume this bad will happen and yeah. it really may not happen. It may be literally for your good or the best will come out of that. And so when I understood that fear is based on assumption, my fear about sharing or what somebody's going to think perception is all based in, oh, what somebody's going to say, oh, this, 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 oh, this, 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 or this is going to make me look like not so great of a Christian, or this yeah. is going to be so this, or somebody's going to have something to say, but it's all assumption. And truly what happened after that for you is just the thing of, I shared, somebody was impacted. That mm -hmm. was all that mattered. And so, like you said, that's the powerful part when we take ourselves out of it and what yeah. we think will occur and just switch it to, no, this is going to be something that's impactful, we're able to then not care what people think. Or care a little less. Sometimes you still care a little bit. <laughs> you do. You be having a little thought in the back of your mind, but it does become fleeting when you realize like the stuff you thought didn't really happen is not going to happen. And we're just not all knowing. We don't have it oh, all. God, because I don't want to be, because even the little stuff I know, I'm like... <laughs> I don't want to know this. Oh, and it's too much. <laughs> it's too team too much. Sis. Okay. So let's switch gears and kind of go into talking about your therapy experience. So why don't you share what made you go, what pushed you to go and kind of where you were at mentally at that point? Yeah. I think that everything that was in my power in my career 
family stuff, friends, everything, everything that touches my life, I think was cool. I won't say I was in like a, this devastating thing happened. And so I thought maybe I didn't need it. I was like, well, everything's kind of cool. I'm surviving. I don't know if I'm thriving, but I'm surviving. And I had well, I was in New York at least two years at the time. And so I was like, yeah, I mean, I figured the city out. Two years, you cannot figure New York out. Disclaimer. <laughs> so I'm like, two years, I figured the city out. I know what I'm doing. And I think there was some things in my past that I was like, I need to, I want to talk about it. I think as far as destiny can take this, I've taken it. Everywhere that I've explored in my mind and how I think, because we think the same way until we are transformed. That's kind of how it is. And so I was like, I've churned as many churnings as I can with the way that I think right now. I can't take my past experiences, the things that I want to do next in my life. I don't think I can take them further on my own. And so when I start to think about those and just how I've been my coping mechanisms, like writing, yeah, writing is good. But if you write about the same stuff, we need to talk about, we need to talk about that. Like, let's go yeah. deeper. And not to interrupt you, but the good thing about being someone who is already naturally expressive is that you're hugely self-aware. Oh, like that I becomes- myself on being as aware as possible. I can notice when something's off. I'm like, okay, we need to do something about this. I might not always know what, but I know it's like an alarm. It's like, hold on, let's pay special attention to this. Yeah. And that's something that's not natural for people, just to be honest with you. As someone who works in kind of like the mental health space, it's not natural to be self-aware. Most of the time people are reacting more than they are having introspection. And so someone who is already expressive, like I know that because I'm very expressive. So I can tell when I'm like, sis, you a little bit. You ain't right. You ain't click tight. You know what I'm saying? So what's going on? And so with that too, like understanding even that as a self-aware piece that, okay, there's some things that I might need to dig deeper into. Yeah. That was the main thing for me. It's like, okay, you're getting, you're only getting older, sis. Like if you want to grow in some grace, then I think we're going to need to talk to somebody. Yeah. And so this search for me, you sent me Open Path Collective. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Let was. me tell you. <laughs> Let me tell you how God they came through because your girl, New York is expensive. Okay. Baby, so I be first of all, therapy is just expensive in general. Cause I be thinking to myself, when I see people when I'm a charge in per hour, and I'm like, I know it's expensive, amen. I need therapy. Is is a bill, all right? And so <laughs> I needed open path. I don't know what I looked at before. I mean, I probably just looked at like therapy in Brooklyn. I don't know what I searched, but I definitely, if you know anybody, because that could be intimidating, right? To be like, hey, like, how can I? You don't live in my state, my city, to reach out and to get that resource that has helped me find my therapist. I've been talking to her this entire year. Like my 2020, I think looks completely different than how it could because I found her and started talking to her in January. And so, and I met you in November. So mm-hmm. how amazing that it was just like, okay, I just met this lady, but I'm a, I'm gonna ask her because I need yeah, some help. And yeah. so I'd be excited when people ask because I'm like, oh, since I got you. Okay. Here's- open path collective people look it up. It's beautiful. And I think that finding open path kind of, again, you have to chip away at mm-hmm. the negatives. And, and just for everyone that knows, Open Path is a nonprofit organization that is a directory for therapists. I found my therapist through Open Path, actually the one that I've been with. Uh, and it allows you to pay a therapist between 30 to $50 a session, which normally therapy can literally be between 80 to $150 if you're paying out of pocket and not through your insurance. Mm-hmm. So this organization allows you to be able to find someone that you can pay a very low price. I paid $40 a session for like two years. And that's extremely cheap out of pocket and can even be cheaper than some co-pays. So if you are someone that doesn't have insurance or is looking to just pay out of pocket or your insurance is too high, whatever, your co is too high, definitely look into that website. So, yeah. It can change some things. <laughs> yeah, I'll link it below for everyone in the show notes. The open path really helps. And I like the filters. There are filters on there, everyone. And so being able to click 
if they're faith-based, there's different things for if you've gone through certain traumas in your life. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that was just really beautiful. And any site that I looked on before then didn't have that capability. So I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I felt more ownership in my yeah. process. Yeah. So in doing that, I reached out to, I want to say, three ladies here in Brooklyn. For me, I was like, you got me Black, sis. I need you to understand some nuances that come with being a Black woman. And so that was important, being in Brooklyn. So that way I could like get to her easily was good. And then I did want her to be a Christian. But I think I was nervous about that. I'm like, am I going to find it? Are we going to click? Like, how are... I don't know. I just... This, again, it's my first time going to therapy. And so I had all these things running through my mind. And so I just sent some emails. I'm like, hi, I'm Destiny. We're going to talk. <laughs> and I had a consultation call with my therapist. And let me tell you, the consultation call was just so, I was like, okay, did we just start? Like, <laughs> did we start? Because I feel good. And so I was nervous, of course, but I've been told she ran, I think what was beautiful is that she ran down to me what my first nine months is going to look like. Girl, and I really? think the way that she broke it down, like, okay, she, the first two months, just I don't run the session. She's like, you run the session. You're you're the one. You're in charge. Your life. I and like so her. And she, I don't even know her. Beautiful, beautiful. Okay. okay. And so she was like, the first two months, she's like, we're just going whatever is on your. She's like, I feel like we're probably going to stay at the day to day. You got into it with your friend yesterday and you see me today. We're probably going to talk about that. Like those type of things, you're gaining your trust in me. You're understanding how therapy works, X, Y, Z. The next two months are probably going to go, or three, probably going to go a little bit deeper. Talk about, you know, mom, dad, where are you from? How do you get to New York? Like those type of things. And then, you know, we'll progress and go deeper at a six month mark. We can talk, see how you're feeling. And if we need to make any adjustments, let me know. And if you can go from there. And I was like, okay. And so I like that because even if your therapist maybe doesn't break down her, his or her services in that way, I think if you are having any anxieties about how the process works or moving forward, that's really nice. So that way, again, you feel that sense of ownership and how things yeah. are the fear that, of the unknown can be broken down. Yeah. And that's really good for someone who has no context of counseling, because most of the time people don't go because they're like, I'm just going to be in a room with you talking about myself. Yeah. So like knowing and having an awareness of that being like explained on the front end, I like that as someone who's a clinician, because I feel like that gives the client ease about what this looks like. I was so thankful. (laughs) And even my cadence. So I go every other week. And so I like that. I think because some people also, maybe you're inclined, you want to speak, but you're like, am I going to have something new to talk about every week? And so I like- I was going every week. I had some, I had a story for days, okay? I had every, I was like, ah, I don't know. I think I'm okay. And then I also was starting kind of around the holidays. And so I was oh, like, yeah. I'll be back at home with my yeah, yeah. Again, as a person that was new, I'm thinking about things that I could- find a spot in my mom's house to like talk. But I was worried about that. Like, I'm not going to be at home. Maybe I should start in February. It's like, nah, we starting a new year with this right now. And uh, okay. 2020 has unfolded. Girl. So thankful. Okay. <laughs> so thankful that I have her because I've been able, I mean, if you think about it, we're at home. Most people are working from home. We've been home the whole year. You have the time to think. I have more time to write than I've ever had. And then watching all these throwback shows, they're throwing up different things. You know, there's so many things that come to mind. I did go back home for a while. So spending extended time with my family that I haven't done in my adult life, it can kick up some things. And so it's really, really nice that during this time, I was able to kind of go back and forward with her. Like thinking about the future, what I want 2021 to look like, lessons I learned sitting in this season right now. But then also, since we're literally sitting, can't go on so many trips and XYZ, I've kind of at least mentally been able to afford taking her back with me. Like, how did you get here? Like, at 26-year-old Des is right here. But 15-year-old Des still be screaming sometimes. There's some stuff that 16-year-old Des is still upset about. And on the day-to-day, when I'm running to the train, when I'm going to this networking event, when I'm doing uh, this poetry show, I'm going to have time to give 16-year-old Dessa the attention she needs. I'm, I'm just going to be real about it. Sis, you got to sit down with her because I got stuff to do. But in this time, I do. I can kind of, the exercises that she gives me, or if I just need to journal after a session, like your um, book that you have, listen, same thing. Like I have to, after every session, I will write. 
what I heard, things that she called out. I'm like, wow, I didn't think about this that way. If we've said something multiple times in a session, I write that down and it's not necessarily bad. It's just like, okay, we're still working through this. Girl, I used to hate that. That That used to literally grind my gears. Like all last year, all we worked on was worthiness. And it didn't process in my brain because we dug into my relationship with God and Mm -hmm. it did not process in my brain. I know I'm going on tangent that I did not feel worthy of being God's daughter Mm -hmm. and what that meant. And truly what that meant was I felt so ashamed all Mm -hmm. the time by everything I did because I was not the perfect Christian. And your podcast episodes of getting real with that, I think was really good. Last year when you were going, I think that helps me to write my power and forgiveness episode because it was like, we not, we don't got it all right. We don't. don't. And and to be honest, it still comes up. Like I'm going to talk about that through my maternity leave. Like it still comes up. Like this year has kicked my butt. When it comes to testing that relationship with God, when it comes to being worthy, Mm -hmm. because you grow, you grow, you grow in grace, you grow in favor. God brings more responsibility to you. I'm about to have a kid. So it's like, I don't even know what it means to be a parent. And now I'm being responsible for somebody else. And so just all these thoughts, they are constantly tested by the things we're working through counseling. And sometimes it took like nine months to work through that. Because there was so much shame attached yeah. to past things. And so in saying that to say, like kind of going into this next question, like what were some of the deep rooted things that came up for you throughout the process? <laughs> My words or your word was worthiness. Mine is fixing. I want to fix everything. I want to just be fixed. I want to come in and just fix it. Like problems I have my mom, let's just fix it. I'm tired of talking about it. I'm tired of writing about it. Let's just fix it. Yeah, if I, I had a decision to make with my career, um, I could have left my company and went to a new job. And just, let's just fix it. I don't want to think about it. Yeah, I don't want to think about the feelings of it. I just want to. Nothing. It's like, can we just move on to get back to the okay place? And that's not how things work. But I think that going back to how I started therapy, everything's cool. I just, there were, I feel like there was just a couple tweaks that I need to make the fixing. And it's like, and she constantly, whoa, she constantly has to remind me, you're not broken. So I, she's like, you're here to be fixed. I, we can't, we're not going to accomplish that together. And I was like, who bets pause? Wait, okay. I, wait, what was the last? She's you're, like, not you're, not fixed. You're, you're not broken. So if you're here to be fixed, we will not accomplish that together. That's so good. And I've had to write that down. I'm not broken. I've had to write that down. Because you know what? And I'll be honest. I say that all the time. Like, you know, deal with your brokenness. Deal with your brokenness and heal. But the perspective I'm hearing or how I'm processing that is things have happened, but that doesn't define my identity. And I don't have to try to say, okay, let's just get this over with. Mm -hmm. There's more so than anything. And this brings to the scripture in my mind, the renewing of your mind. It more so brings perspective because Mm -hmm. I think about my daddy issues and how my dad is like, he just ain't in my life. And I had a Mm -hmm. recent conversation with my therapist about this last week. And I was telling her just like through my pregnancy, he hasn't been present and we live in the same city, so on and so forth. And essentially he's the grandfather of my child. And just how much like, that bothered me. And what she mm-hmm. said was, well, what are you coming to understand? So I honestly am just coming to terms that he doesn't have the capacity, but that's not a broken part of me. It's just the reality yeah. of what that is. But I could take that as a broken, be like, okay, let me just fix that. What do I need to say to him? What do I need to do? What do I need to add? Do I need to call him? Do I need to invite him mm-hmm. to, to try to fix the problem instead of just yeah. being like, Look, bro, you don't want to be here. Like, it ain't that big a deal to me, but that's more perspective. I like that. Energy. I like this lady, and I don't even know her. Let me tell you, <laughs> so her name is Judith, baby. Love Judith, be getting me together, okay? And I think that there's energy that goes into fixing things. You can't take a car to a mechanic and it's just fixed. There's energy that goes into it. There's sweat. There's extra tools that you end up trying to pull out. And I think that the danger in fixing which I'm going to have to run this back for myself. (laughs) The danger in fixing is that we don't 
most of the time, I feel like we don't depend on God to be the tool that fixes the thing. We depend Can you just on make others. a podcast episode called Power and Not Fixing? There you go. There you go. I got you. Right okay. Because, okay. 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 and I trust. It takes the trust. Yeah. Out. You don't yeah. trust. Like that. again, putting you at the center. Putting you at the center. Of it. Just, I'm gonna just get it together. I'm just gonna call my dad. Just drag me on the floor. Grab my hair. Just drag me. <laughs> that ain't the way, sis. It ain't it. And I okay, think it's so, hard so, to do. Yeah. And so with that though, like, how did y'all work through that process? And probably still do because you know, as perfectionists, I'm Type A. I say all the time, if Type A was on Giphy. I would be the poster child with a cup of coffee smiling and be like, type in type A and I'm there smiling. We like to do and fix everything and figure out all the specifics. The specifics, the scenarios, the alternate ways that it could turn out, all of it. I think that trust, I think that's a vulnerability to accepting that you can't fix everything. There's a vulnerability that comes with that. And I think that the fix to trying to fix everything is going to God. And I think there's a vulnerability in that. There's a vulnerability in saying like, I should have came to you with this last week, bruh. But I didn't because I was trying to fix it. There's a vulnerability with that. And I'll be honest with you, there are times where I, and even still now, because I thought that throughout my pregnancy too, like there are times I'm like, Lord, I don't really want to come to you about this. I'm honestly like, I don't know what you're going to say to me. Mm -hmm. And truly most of the time, like 99.9% of the time, he don't be concerned. He's just like, I just want you to share. Mm -hmm. I just want you to be vulnerable with me as a child and let you know, like, I got you. I promise you, I got you. And that's the power in the pros. I think with our relationship with God, it's not necessarily always the answer that we get, but just recognizing that our words, I mean, our words make us feel closer to him. It invites him in. He's at the door where we got to say, come in. And that's what activates everything. And so I think therapy itself has been helping me with my fix it <laughs> attitude and just constantly talking to her, constantly coming through. If I have something to say in between my sessions, being vulnerable to send an email like, hey, girl, <laughs> it's me again. And then I think that understanding what I can hold for me. So something that she mentioned, I think, especially because I do write, not always with the intention to share, but that's always a possibility. And then being a podcast host, she mentioned like some things you need to hold for you, at least for you first. And I think that that kind of helps the fix it. Because as soon as you hear something, if you try to move, that's where that comes from. You don't want to sit in the feeling of it, the vulnerability of it, the acceptance of whatever reality is in front of you. And so I've had to activate Psalms 4610 and just sit, just be still. You got to be still and know, depending on what, it might depend on what the knowing is in that time. But when you take out the be still moment, I can't get to the Romans 12 too of being transformed. I can't transform my mind because I'm immediately trying to activate and I'm activating on an old mindset. And you're activating in yourself. Mm -hmm. Where mm -hmm. you, again, kind of like you said, the old mindset will have us being like, oh, okay, this is the resolve. Instead of like sitting in the feeling, this doesn't feel good. And I remember kind of going through that earlier this year with like the short depression Right after George Floyd got killed, I was just like, I can't take another thing as a black person. I can't, I can't, I can't. And what I realized was like how impactful that was spiritually. But like sitting in the feelings allows you to be able to see the grace of God, the move of God, the hand of God, even when it doesn't feel amazing. Yeah. And so I really, really, really resonate with that. So along with that, though, like what were some things in your process Kind of with therapy, you can tie this in that how therapy impacted your relationship with the father. So my therapist is a Christian. I think that was, like I said, super important for me. I was nervous if I was going to get it, but I treated that nerves as an affirmation that that's something that I desired instead of treating it as something scary. And so I was so thankful when she hit me up and we hit it off in a consultation call. And I think that there's a... Deeper acceptance, I think, of the spirit coming in doing what he wants to do. I think that's it, which I think ties into the fix it. Fix it takes the Holy Spirit out. 
I got this, bro. Don't touch the plan. I got it. You won't stand by if I need some help, but I got this. But the more that I talk to her and the more I'm so thankful that also my therapist is 50. I'm 26. And so she got some years on me, yes, okay. which I think is beautiful as well. But she still, she has this, I don't know, her spirit to me. I don't even know if I can say doesn't give me 50 because what does that mean? But I don't know that we connect, but I'm happy that she's older than me because you've had more experience in her walk with God and just here on earth as a black woman. And so being able to be transparent in that way, I have to check myself at times when I, when I do run from God, it's like, well, you talked to Judith. You ain't talked to God yet though. You know, it's like, it's like checking about that. It's like, well, you looking forward to your session on Thursday. You could pray right now. You know, it's a constant checking of like, what's my schedule? I have my schedule with my therapist. But what's my schedule? What's not schedule? Where's my source? Like, what's my like, cadence? What's my, yeah. yeah. So I think that has been something that's pulled me closer. And then I think inviting him in. Some some stuff. There's one time she told me something. She's like, I think you need to pray more about that. And I think that was like, okay. Like, you know, and so I think having that open dialogue, not just about what's going on at work or friends or whatever, but about my relationship with God too. Somebody can kick that back. They can play the mirror in that situation to be like, I don't know. I don't know if that sounds right. Or like, where is that coming from? And then also being able to explore. We haven't really dived deep into it yet. But since it's been under a year or so that I've been talking to her, there are still some things we need to go deeper on with my walk with God up to this point. But I think that being able to say, well, where did you learn that? I'm able to undo even some of my thoughts about the father that I have, why I go to him a certain way or as often or as little as I do about a certain thing. We're able to talk about that. And I haven't done that. I haven't been able to do that. I've been in life groups with church and things. But again, I do think that age plays a huge part in it. And when people are the same age as you, you start to get into a comparison game. It's like, dang, you was fasting last week. We were, the church wasn't even fasting. I'm like, yeah, it was my own thing. All of a sudden now, you the Christian of the group. Maybe I'm broken. I, I, I got some stuff I'm trying to work through. That's where the fasting is. Not because I'm I'm better than everybody. It's because I actually need to knock my... I need to put God in his rightful place right now. Man. That's but because so we're all so in the same space, I couldn't really get that. So I think I was searching for therapy-like or God-like things and people, even in Christian spaces, that didn't intersect well. And so being able to go to therapy and openly talk about my walk with God in that space, I think that was the proper intersection I needed to get me to go deeper with God and then on my personal journey in life. Just just drag me. Drag <laughs> me, sis. You said so much in that because you were talking about and just kind of the space of like when we do life with people, we genuinely sometimes don't share like we all have those seasons where we on it and we're like getting up, I'm reading every day. I'm praying every day. I'm this, 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 this. And then when you're not, you're like, I feel like I can't talk to nobody about this. Yeah. yeah. And that becomes like, why? And that was recent for me. I realized that I needed to solicit my friends for prayer and solicit, like ask them for that because mm-hmm. it was just, like, well, I'm always the one that's, you know, doing it. So I was like, why asking? And I don't want to compare their great season to my dry season, but I'm struggling, but I don't know. And that becomes like a, how do we share that? But I think the thing that you said, which was interesting was you kind of pulled that to talk to about your walk with God as a means to have a better awareness. Because truly, again, I say this all the time. No one really teaches us like how to practically do a dry season, practically how to stay faithful when you feel like I literally don't want to talk to God right now or how to, when things feel so bad, stay in it. Like you hear it, you hear people preach about it, but it's like, I need somebody to handhold me through this, but also to talk me through about why my behavior with God in these times is like this and what that looks like. And so that's where that processing with a therapist can be yes. helpful because yes. you can really then start to see the behaviors play out. 
then you get gain the awareness so that way in the next season or if your friend somebody in proximity goes through it you're now have the practical steps i think that the word practical there stuck out to me because yeah (laughs) it's not simple it doesn't feel simple it feels like do i need to go hard and in prayer for 30 minutes 45 minutes or to call down the heavens or is that what solves this problem we get performative and we don't know it because we oh. think that that is the way to go. Slay me, sis. Slay me. Slay me. Okay. We get real performative because it's like, well, I need to be Christian of the month. So let me hustle it because that's why this is happening. And I think that goes to the fix it as well. It's like, okay, if this is happening, that means some of us really do have that, like, it's very cause and effect with God. And that's not, that's not it. That's not how he does things with us. And so I think it's super important to be able to process what's happening. Because if you don't, then it's okay. Well, this is the cause. I did this, or that person did this, or since it's a pandemic, since it's whatever. So the effect is I need to have the prayer every day. I need to like not eat right now. Even though it's like, God didn't call you. Yes. That's yes. Like yes. it is, that's not even know what you're supposed to be doing. Or I need to go yeah. him in the side hustle when it's like, you actually need to take a break. That's what you need to do. We start moving in the opposite direction of what we're supposed to do because it's a performative act. Yes. And so I've been there a hundred percent. And I think it's easier. I mean, even when you talk to your therapist weekly, every other week, whatever the cadence is, and it's like, oh, yes, I'm doing this. It's like, hmm. Then she starts to be able to connect the dots. And that's how you can see it's performative as well. And so I'm just thankful. Or reading back, I think that people talk a lot about writing and not as much about reading, listening back to what you said. There are a lot of times when I'm looking for you to affirm what I'm thinking right now, when I probably affirmed it two months ago in something I wrote. I just need to flip flip a couple pages back. And so I think that that's super important too, because it's powerful to hear something from you or to affirm something in yourself to see where you've come over a span of time. Yeah, therapy has helped me in a lot of ways up to this point. I didn't expect, I didn't, I don't know what, (laughs) I don't know what I expected, especially in my relationship with God. I felt like before I went to therapy, 2019, I mean, I started the podcast. I started sharing poetry. I had got a new job and I was working on getting a new apartment, like all of these things. Like I was saying, everything, I felt cool. So I was like, great. I got baptized that year. Like all these things were happening. But I think that when you're willing to go deeper, whatever deeper looks like for you, you find out some stuff about God. You're willing to address mm. more so than anything. When you're willing to address, like you, because we can get very comfortable when things feel good in certain seasons, when we we feel like we're on it, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. But even in those on it seasons, there's still some things happening that you may not see in the background. And one of the things you one of the things you said was, I used to always associate bad seasons or tough times anything tough just I did something wrong Mm -hmm. I did something wrong I did something wrong as God punishing me for something that I did not realizing like those tough seasons were my faith being tested but Mm -hmm. I was just reacting negatively to it Mm -hmm. and it wasn't really until I had to just come to the times that hard things are hard and it's okay that hard things are hard but that doesn't mean God is gone from the situation even though I'm processing it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a friend recently tell me that we have to kind of, I mean, it's really just taking inventory or stock of the thoughts that go take all of our thoughts captive. And I think that practically it could be right, jot down a few things at the end of the day. Yeah. I think mm, there's something that actually just popped in my head just now. Looking at what your likes were at the end of the week. What were you liking? When I'm going through a certain, uh, a negative season, quote unquote, I might be liking some more stuff that's a little bit on the emo side. Like, you know, like take a look at that type of things. Even if you aren't jotting things down, that's stuff that you just are kind of mindlessly doing. You're just double tapping, keeping it moving. But I think that when you look back at it, then you can, again, gain the awareness that maybe you don't have in the moment. But that goes back to wanting to address you. Yeah, yeah. And the awareness that I have to want to address, because when I don't, 
when you don't really check in with yourself, mm-hmm. like I have this thing where it's like, I need to check in with myself on a monthly basis. You schedule that. Oh, sis, it's on the calendar Come at on. the end of the month. But when COVID happened, it stopped like March up until like maybe August. I was like, oh, I ain't checked in. I haven't checked in. It wasn't mm-hmm. until September that I was like, oh no, you haven't done a for real ask yourself these questions. And that whole the whole span of time, I was like, why am I not managing my emotions well? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Not really doing the work that it requires mm-hmm. to maintain, to have maintenance, to see what I've been soaking in, like you said. And what I realized was I hadn't been pouring back into the well. I've been pouring out. So I was dry and I was empty, having expectation of God. Okay, come on, continue to pour, Mm -hmm. but like not really going to him addressing this, 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 this. And so when you Mm -hmm. don't do that, that lack of awareness can get you to a place where you're like, oh, everything's wrong. Everything is is God's fault or what's going on? What's going on with this? How did you, I guess, did you change up the cadence with the schedule after you realized you didn't do it? You said, all right, let me go bi-weekly because like, how do your check-ins, I guess, go at this stage? So I'm more in the maintenance phase with counseling. I've kind of done the deep, 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 deep work. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, especially I'm in counseling, so I'm going to be done again in November before the baby comes. And really more so I went back because I wasn't managing well and I needed to refresh my tools. Plus I was also in a different place, like pregnant. Let's talk about this girl. (laughs) So my check-ins are super, I'm a super formal person in general anyway. Like I'll make a worksheet out of anything. That's just partially my therapist mind too. I should probably share that with my audience, but I'd be like, I don't know. Do y'all really want this? Because girl, I'm like, what's the uh, what's the check in looking like? I ask myself specific questions. So I ask. I do. There's a checklist I found online of just a wellness. Like, do mm-hmm. I feel happy? Mm-hmm. Do I feel like my relationships are going well? Have I been sleeping well? Mm-hmm. Have I been this this this? Then I'll ask myself the specific questions of, and this is something I made when I was in the process about to leave therapy, what was I super proud of this month? What were the things that were on my mind consistently? Mm. Was there someone in my life that I wanted to talk to that I didn't? Was there something I was avoiding God about? Mm. Was there things? And so I asked myself those questions and then pull from those questions on how I go into the next month of like, how do I need to start working through my personal time? So like, one of the things my therapist does with me is daily discipline. She's like, what are the daily disciplines you need to have? My top discipline, my top things are time with God, time with my husband, and paying attention to my body. If I'm exhausted, brain-wise, body-wise, where do I need to take a break? Mm. If I haven't spent time with my husband, if I'm noticing when he's walking past me in the kitchen, he ain't really conversing or whatnot, not out of like something's wrong, but just, Hey babe, like, you know what I'm saying? Like Mm -hmm. today he was so talkative and I was like, are you good? But I realized yesterday we literally were like literally laying in the bed, just talking for like an hour about whatever he loves quality time. So that for him filled his cup up Mm -hmm. to like be super conversive. And so if I not done that and I'm noticing that being consistent, then I go back to the daily disciplines Mm -hmm. and of course time with God. So That was for me a way to check back in. But when you don't do that over a course of time, yeah, child's all over the place. I'm about to check in after this. I'm like, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) I might send you the stuff. But in saying that, like, you have to do that. That's the work. So Mm -hmm. that's the work that we don't do that is required to kind of stay in that place. Yeah. And I think the word work sounds like work because it is. And I think I had to get over that. I had to get over it. I'm like, yep. Or changing it up to say that's the maintenance. Because mm. my therapist always says your mind is always going to be a garden. You'll pull them weeds up. And some seasons you'll have some more weeds come up. So mm. you got to maintain that garden as much as possible, even if it requires you to kind of go back to addressing yourself. But mm. the benefit of that is having clarity, all of those things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm. That's good. I like the check-in. Something actually that I got revealed to me this summer in 2020 was I wasn't letting myself cry. Yeah. I like broke down one day 
And my mom was talking to me. She was in Walmart. I'm talking to her about what she's getting. And I, baby, <laughs> I let it go. I'm like, literally, I was like, hold on. Let me, let me get myself together. I'm in checkout. And that's when I ended up going home. It was because I was like, I just cried to my mama just now. <laughs> What's going on? My therapist was like, when's the last time you cried before that? And I was on the line for like five minutes because I'm trying to think about the last time I cried. And I was like, I don't know. And she's like, well, yeah. Like, <laughs> that's why it came up in that way. And so I am type A. I put days on my calendar that just say cry question mark. So I don't know if it's necessarily like I I'm not I can't make myself cry like I ain't there, but I do. It's a cognitive. It's like let's think about it. Have you done it? Did you do it last week, last month? And I might have did it the day before. And if I did, cool. We can move on with our day. But if we haven't, then I might have to do like those questions that you said or bring that up in therapy. Like, hmm, haven't done this. And what was interesting is that before I did it, there was times I wanted to. Yes, yes, yes. And we hold back because we like, yep. no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Ah, you ain't get no tears out of me, yes. no ma'am. <laughs> but I was like, I don't, COVID's not going to get me. This whole like going against Black people at large isn't going to get me. The state of New York isn't going to get me. I am good. I am a strong Black woman. It's like, and you got tears, sis. And that's okay. It's okay. okay. Because when George Floyd died, I just let it all out. I said, this is just ridiculous. I can't. And I don't get reactive with things. Like, I'm not very reactive with trauma. Like, when I hear stuff and process stuff as a counselor, like, I've heard so many things that it's like, it doesn't, I'm kind of desensitized to it. Mm -hmm. But when it hits me, oh, I'm going to let that out. And so, yeah, I like that whole thing about the crime because it's just like, have I been vulnerable lately? Mm -hmm. Have I truly been vulnerable with myself? And that's really, really good. Most of the time we do cry with ourselves. So again, that's that like holding it for you. Yeah. Sometimes we're worried about, I don't want to, there's some times I didn't call somebody because I'm like, I haven't processed it. It's like, okay, well, let's process it then. Let's go through it. Instead of avoiding folk, let's just do about it. (laughs) I think that's the driver for me is that with my personality, I'm always looking for it. not always the what's next, but kind of like the what's next. Like, how are we growing and glowing right now? Mm-hmm. Like, are we, is that happening? Are we taking one step forward? Like, if it's one step and not five, fine, but there needs to be some steps. If I'm sitting yeah. in this space for too long, I get nervous. It's like, what's happening? And so I think that that kind of is what drives the awareness that's what kind of drives the drive to want to take stock of what's happening so yeah. I want to look at what I've been doing because that kind of is what drives me is that forward progression so I think it's been challenging it doesn't always manifest in the ways that I think it will but it's forward like forward could just be me not praying yesterday and then repenting for it today. That's forward. Cause maybe last time I didn't pray, it took me five days to repent for that. Like, you know what I mean? Or whatever that looks like. I think I've had to learn recently that what forward is looks different, but it's still healthy and it's still within the will of my purpose. Yes. Yes. So good. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. And really that's just having growth mindset in general. But growth mindset requires like having to like dig a little bit. Ooh, I be digging yeah. my shovel and stay out. Girl, <laughs> amen. So in wrapping up, like what would you kind of tell somebody who would be hesitant about counseling as a Christian, but also just in general about that process and what they should think of? I would say you don't have to just depend on you. I think most of us, it's our life. So it kind of seems as the older you get, it seems wrong to ask for help. You should have it together. You should be able to process these things that happen. If something that happened to you at this age or this parental figure isn't in your life and they haven't been, you should be used to that by now. We shouldn't have, you shouldn't. It's always this should. And I think that that's not true. I think that as a Christian God don't operate how we operate, period. (laughs) So that's that on that is what we think is a should is actually almost never the case because he literally exists outside of how we think. 
And I think just in the in the worldly sense, we are giving things that you giving tools in a toolbox. Let's whip them out. Like we can build this house a little bit faster if we use all the tools that we have. And so I think that counseling is super beautiful as an avenue because it takes the pressure off of the people around you to have to play counselor. Oh yeah that to the people around us consciously and unconsciously so I think that is important and then it gives you new tools as well there are things that I think about now as aware as I love to say that I am there's some things I was like I didn't think that at all are you sure <laughs> that's what I said she's like yep but this is how we can go about this differently this is an alternative view on how you can look at that situation and I think that those alternatives make you breathe easier yeah I think that the it's still my lungs to have to do the work, but I breathe easier because of the tools and digging and work that I've done in counseling. So I think that there are likely some people who think that things aren't going to change. I'm still going to have to X. Things are still going to be X. It's like, yeah, it could be a little bit lighter. You could have different ways that you go about the path before you. Sure, the journey might still be the journey, but you can go about it differently with this avenue than you would on your own. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's so good. That's so good. Well, thank you, sis. I have enjoyed this. This has been a rich conversation. Rich. Real rich. Okay. (laughs) I have been dragged multiple times throughout this podcast. (laughs) And I love you. So why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yes, of course. So my name is Destiny and you can find me and Power in Pros podcast on Instagram. The podcast Instagram is at Power in Pros podcast. And then my personal Instagram is at Zest of Deaths on Insta. By the time this episode comes out, we'll be gearing up for season two of Power and Pros, which is super amazing. And then I also released a devotional. So it's in the link in both of our bios. So you can read those. It's a five-day devotional of power and preparation. And I think it's just, it kind of leans into what we've been talking about, like transforming your mind a little bit. And I feel like that's what stages or seasons of preparation are. It's time for you to kind of regather yourself a little bit. And so... Yeah, those are the tools that I have. That's where I'm at. That's where I'll be. Poetry is dropped on my social platforms as well. And then the podcast is out everywhere. So I will have all of the information linked for y'all in the show notes. So be sure to definitely check it out. And I love you all. And we will talk next week. Bye.